who wants to know um, how how a um, are you playing exquisite corpse with yourself <laughs> yeah it's really hard <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 216 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast about video games. Why not? We're in so many different states again, guys. Yeah. It's cool. How many states are we in? Three. Kevin and I are in Arizona. Riff is in Portland, which is a state. You're in San Francisco. That's a state, yeah. You're in the New Republic of San Francisco. I'm in Oakland. Oh, yeah. So no one's in San Francisco. Well, Oakland is, is just San Francisco East. I, I think a lot of south. a lot of Oakland would take issue with that categorization. Well, that's probably true. How you been, Jim? It's been a while since we've seen you. Hey, pretty good. I've been. What have you been up yeah. to? Um, this morning, um, we shot a video for um, the the an up, an update I'm going to be posting to the Frog Fractions Two Kickstarter, and I'm editing that wow. now. So, that sounds serious. So I'm excited about that. When was the last update? Oh, six months ago, maybe. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> uh, people have been asking for more frequent updates, honestly. Like, oh, sure, they do. But what the fuck are you going to like? What the oh, jig? I mean, the jig. Me personally, like my I, 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 I made it very clear. I'm not going to update very often. And I've been updating like. The album is out. You know, the, one of the backer rewards is done. That sort of thing. Okay, all right. And this that's, is that's worthwhile. Yeah, and and this is like it's it's not giving anything away. Yeah. Well, that said, I will be excited to get an update from you. There you go. Because I know you, and I'll think this was worth sending. This is not just a thing that he sent out because people are demanding more frequent updates, even when there's nothing important to say. <laughs> right. Not that you don't always have something important to say, Jim. Yeah, like today I'm talking about filming a video. What have you been up to, Kevin? I have been sick. Uh, you because, sound like you've been sick. Yeah, I'm glad uh, to be in know. this tiny room with you, with germs bouncing off of every surface. I just read an article today that says that every person has a little microbe cloud that they carry around. It's like everyone's a little pig pen. Hmm. Aww. You can sometimes even uniquely identify a person based on their microbe cloud. Like you can like go into a room and be like microbe cloud identification, and it's that, like that was a scene oh, from yep. Sneakers, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. Um, yeah, my my microbes are my passport, uh, <laughs> and I, I've always wanted a man to fart into a Ziploc bag for me. <laughs> uh, I've been preparing for KOL Con because that's happening uh, in a, two days. Ugh, God. Yep. Oh wow. Okay, that's why you're gone. Okay. Yeah, that's why we're out of town. Uh, and then I also I had a. Uh, I had run out of checks uh, in San Francisco. And we threw a party and there were no snacks to give to the guests. Yes. And so I had to finish a lot of my early month business late in the month because I had to wait until I was back in Arizona where all of the other checks lived. Do you guys have business checks? Yes. Because I was looking at like, what does it take to get business checks? And apparently they're just super expensive for some, some unknown reason. They don't have to be. Uh, there are, are places that you can get, like, 
three-part checks uh, at a reasonable cost, and I have uh, accidentally bought expensive ones in the past, and I will not do it again. Hmm. So, how much? How much did we spend on checks? Like, you get like a ream of them. I did. I got a box of five hundred. Okay, and how much did a box of five hundred checks cost? I think it was like a hundred and something dollars, which is ridiculous. It yeah, should it shouldn't get, get nearly that much. Yes. That's the exp- <laughs> oh, that's the expensive version. That was the expensive version. Okay. There, there are cheaper versions. I mean, they're they are like specialty magnetic ink printed things, right? I don't know if that's true. I, I really think it's just that you're a business, so they can gouge you. Yeah. Is it not? Is it not the case that there is actually something different about those checks? I mean, I know that you can just write check to Jim on a crab and <laughs> if you put the routing number in and a check number and an account number on it you can Jim could cash it <laughs> you take a picture with your you with your bank app yeah <laughs> like that's what that that's what that uh crab with the cigarette was it was actually yeah. it was a transaction between two New Yorkers I know that the magnetic ink isn't important anymore like it's not like you're stopping Edward Abagnale from it's not Edward Abagnale I'm thinking of Edward Abbey. Frank Frank Abagnale. Uh, Wow, Edward Abagnale. He just keeps, like, sneakily insinuating him into places so that he can just destroy them, like, for the benefit of the world, not for his own personal gain. Uh, Because you're just taking pictures of checks now. You don't, you don't, like, nobody actually ever sees Yeah, you don't need them to be magnetically printed, but I think they still are. Uh, That, I don't know if that's true. I mean, like, because what you're paying for, you could just use sheets of paper, right, that were perforated. You're paying for, like, the watermarking and the... They're pre-printed. There's there's forgery. Like, there's some, like, micro-printing and stuff on them, I think, to make them a little more uh, anti-forgery proof or whatever, but... uh, they're, they're not, they shouldn't cost that much. Checks, ch- checking is just an insane system. <laughs> like, I, no wonder there is so much fraud with it. Like, it, I've never tried doing the crab. Jim, when we get back to San Francisco, <laughs> uh-huh. can I, can I try to write you a check on a crab? Okay. Okay. Why do you think that's going to work? Because I think you can write a check on anything. I don't, I don't know. I mean, we should we should definitely try it. And we Jim, your game for it. walking into a bank with a crab, right? <laughs> is it alive? No, it, we'll get it from the grocery store. Oh, uh, that, I don't know if that works. I think it, I think everything. I, I think it has to be a live crab. Yeah, I think it has to be alive. <laughs> okay, well, so I feel like the problem we're going to run into there is like the bank teller is going to not be willing to do their job on religious grounds, <laughs> like if their job requires handling a live crab. Oh, you know what? Now that I think about it, I can't do it on religious grounds either. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Uh, riff. <laughs> no, Can we no. mail you a live mail crab? You a live crab. <laughs> We're going to send you a series of boxes. Some of them will contain live crabs. Some will contain wa- live oh, wildcats. No. Yeah. Do I have to choose whether to, whether or not to open all of them or just one of them? <laughs> well, really, you have to choose whether to accept this crab or not get paid. <laughs> Direct crab deposit. Send it directly to the bank. Okay. Let, let, them, let them figure it out. <laughs> Tank full of lobsters. Yeah, I ran out of lobsters. So I had to come to Arizona so I could refill my lobster tank. Maybe then you left the rubber bands in San Francisco. Oh, so now no. they're all just like chopping each other's heads off like crazy. Well, for a little while. Riff, what have you been up to? Uh, I went to the uh, Rose City Comic Con. Uh, What's that? This past uh, weekend, it's it's like uh, Phoenix Comic Con except uh, Portland. 
Is Portland the Rose City? It is, I, which is, is really I, freaking aggravating because it that also anagrams to our society. Oh. Huh. Why is that aggravating? Because there was a puzzle where the answer was society and people thought it was Rose City. Oh. oh. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah, okay. it was it was all right. It was it was fine. It was pretty much exactly the same as uh Phoenix Comic Con. So if you have been to Phoenix Comic Con, picture that, and you're I'm picturing at least this. Eight of our listeners have. Yeah. Did you see any of our, our friends on panels uh, speaking about things? Uh, we didn't go to panels. We just sort of wandered around the show floor. Did uh, you spend the entire time uh, drinking with Aaron Burke at Networks, the <laughs> terrible bar inside the Hilton? That in would, downtown Phoenix. That would be because that is what Phoenix Comic Con is like for me. <laughs> Don't you also eat at a rotating restaurant? Okay, that's true. I do. I I, I take my mom to a, an expensive rotating restaurant where we eat with Ed Asner. We were really with Ed Asner. We ate near Ed Asner. Adjacent. Yeah, which we, is very very different than Dragon Con, where we always eat adjacent. Yeah, to Lou Ferrigno adjacent. <laughs> yeah. Was that, it wouldn't, was that it would a not Dragon be... Con one? I thought that was an SDCC one. No, no. Dragon Con. It's weird at Dragon Con because this happens. We've, this happens like three or, three or four times. No, it, well, well, what I'm saying, this happens three or four times where we will go to this restaurant and we will say, you know what's funny? The last two times we came to this restaurant, Lou Ferrigno came in and sat in that booth right there and ate by himself. And then Lou Ferrigno walks in, sits at that booth and eats <laughs> by himself. You then that happened. discovered a magic and spell. Every time it just became more and more of a series of coincidences. Yeah. It's pretty good. But anyway. Yeah. Ferrigno adjacent. Ferrigno adjacent. Uh, what have I been up to? I've been working on Kingdom of Loathing stuff. I've been recording new episodes of Advice Hot Dog. That's uh, exciting. Are you going to do more or are you done for the... Ah, we might be trip. done for this time. I don't know. We don't get a lot of questions, and if we don't publish episodes, and we haven't published an episode in a little while, oh, really huh. off schedule. There's a lot of roadblocks dealing with coming up with a cocktail, which we've really half-assed for the last couple episodes. Uh, here's a sneak. I, preview. I didn't realize that, that was a problem. You should have just you should have come to me. I've been I've been studying cocktails. Right, but all of yours are gross. Wow. I'm, I'm sure you're very good at it, and everybody else really really likes them. And I really like your Manhattans. We've already done a Manhattan. I genuinely don't like most of the cocktails that come out of the sort of nouveau cocktail culture. Okay. Um, and I don't know why, like, they just always have the same, like, everything kind of tastes like a Negroni, and a Negroni is kind of gross. Negroni is, what, gin-based, I think, right? And gin, yeah. gin is not a good cocktail. I think there's Campari basis. in it, which that's, that, just, that's, that's totally wrong. Like a there's a bunch gross, of good, co- there's a good, bitter, bunch of good gin cocktails. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, I think there are, you there don't are like few... things that are like sweet kind. I mean, Manhattans are sweet. Kind I of... like, I like things maybe that are just sweet. Like I think of a Manhattan as just sweet, sweet and sour. Yeah. I like, I don't really like tiki drinks. I don't really, you know, I like a gin and tonic. Like an aku aku. I do like an aku aku, but that's just sweet. That's just like drinking pineapple. It's juice. also got some mint. Okay. Have you considered making an aku aku and then uh, feeding it to me and then I would tell you, you're good at making cocktails? Have you made an aku aku for the show? I haven't. I don't know how to make an aku aku. You, we've, we've made them in this house. Have we? Yes. Oh. And they were delicious. Okay. Well, then we'll make an aku aku for the next advice. Okay. Talk. My problems are all solved. See? There you go. 
You could just make one Aku, and then you could have Aku Aku for the next show, and then Aku 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 for the okay. And we could have a poo platter, and then a poo poo platter, and then a poo 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 platter. Dwayne writes, "I just started listening to you guys this week. Thanks, Train Hot Dog. Wow, wow. So wait, what? Really? Someone found someone found this show through Train Hot Dog. Good, good. See, it is in fact the jewel. It is the crown jewel of the Hot Dog Network. That's beautiful. Holy crap." <laughs> and I'm loving it so far. I particularly enjoyed hearing your thoughts on simpler games such as Solitaire and Minesweeper. I'd love to hear what your thoughts on Picross are. Oh, we've oh, all wow. played a Huge bunch fan. of Picross, right? Yeah. yeah. I I Picross is the only one of those sort of abstract Japanese style puzzles that I is that a Japanese like. style puzzle? I think Picross is Japanese. Pic- huh. Picross, is Picross like, Japanese? No American would cope with the name Picross as a as a <laughs> c- con- uh, contraction of picture cross. Uh, let me let me step back for a second. So these these kinds of puzzles have been around for a long time in puzzle culture in the U.S., but they're always called paint by number. Really? Yes. Um, and actually, the like the the digital version of pick crosses that I've been playing, like I play the whatever that cat one is, um, pretty regularly. Uh, hungry cat pick cross. Hungry Cat Picross. So that doesn't actually use the the standard rules for a uh, colored pick, like a, a colored paint by number, because they just tell you the total number of of a particular color in the <clears throat> row or column. And in a in a colored Picross, you would get like a sequence of numbers, some of them in color or whatever, and it would give you like the the ordering in that row. So, uh, th- according to Wikipedia, <clears throat> in 1987, Nan Ishida, a Japanese graphics editor, won a competition in Tokyo by designing grid pictures using skyscraper lights that were turned on or off. Coincidentally, a professional Japanese puzzler named Tetsuya Nishio invented the same puzzles. So, not oh, only wow. is it from Japan, it's from Japan twice. Yeah, well, that's how fucking Japanese skyscraper <laughs> puzzle with the lights on or off. Grid pictures using skyscraper lights that were turned on. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. That seems like just a, you know, using skyscraper using buildings as pixels like the offices sure. and buildings as pixels although it, it seems like maybe it was a puzzle that you there's, there's also like a skyscraper puzzle which is a grid puzzle where you have numbers on the sides and that tells you how tall the buildings are mm. like that's a type of puzzle so there might be something else going on there i think that the reason that i like picross compared to other like more abstract logic puzzles is that you end up with something yeah. when you're done as yeah. opposed to just a grid of the correct numbers yeah. sometimes that something is totally inscrutable though well there's only so many i could tell you exactly how many you give me a calculator (laughs) in a minute right there's only so many patterns that you can make right sure it i feel like i've spent a lot of time playing just like one particular picross on the phone there's the 3d picross right i was really excited coming out and then i bounced off of it super super hard riff you got pretty into it yeah super into it they're coming out with a uh, sequel Though it, it hasn't was, been announced if it's going here's to be localized yet or not. What, that was all on the original like DS. What, what yeah. about a 3DS version of the Picross? Like, it seems like that would be a, such a natural fit. Why has that not happened? Well, that is that is happening. Just you say at, that. At the moment, it's only happening in Japan. <laughs> well, fine. <laughs> the thing that I like about Picross more than like Sudoku, for example, is that if you make a mistake in Sudoku, basically you're starting over. At least that's my experience. Um, whereas mistakes in Picross are a lot more salvageable. It feels more naturalistic. I don't know. It. I mean, it does seem like if you 
asked me, does a mistaken Picross cascade out the same way that it does in Sudoku? I would say yes, but in my experience, that's not true. Right. So I wonder why. I wonder if it has to do with, I mean, part of it is, I think that you're also using like what, what looks more like an image as a clue in addition to the numbers. I always feel like I'm cheating a little bit when I do that. I know what you mean. Um, but I do think that's an intended part of the puzzle. Yeah, I mean, when you start to notice that there's a lot of symmetry, you'll just like sort of make some leaps that are not technically logically sound. Right. Because you assume that the <coughs> symmetry will continue, you know. Right. Excuse me. Yeah, Sudoku. Sudoku. I, I don't enjoy Sudoku at all. Picross is good. Or nanograms. That's how you find huh. that on Wikipedia. Nanograms. Weird. Yep. Uh, Blank writes, Now that Super Mario Maker is out, I can inform you that the physics are like this. All games use new Super Mario Bros. U physics, but certain actions like picking up Koopa shells, spin jumping, and wall jumping are exclusive to the appropriate themes. Uh, I have seen some amazing, difficult puzzles, or puzzles, uh, levels. some crazy ones being Uh, advertised. And I, you know, I, share, I think I share your feeling that I hope that's not what sort of becomes the that's only thing. That's not what everything is, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, you know, I was talking in the Campo Slack, because they, they keep posting cool videos in there, and it was, I was like, you know, I hope that this isn't what happens. And, and Chris said, like, well, what do you, I mean, why would you watch a video of somebody just playing, like, a good level, right? Like, the thing that makes it so these videos get shared is because they are like, and I think he's correct insofar as, it's going to surface to somebody like me, right? Where, like the Spelunky videos that I see are not that just like everybody playing Spelunky for the day or whatever. It's the Bananasaurus Rex doing something incredible or like doing really well at some custom hyper difficult level or whatever. And so that's the kind of stuff that's going to be interesting to a smaller subset of people than like people who just watch people playing video games. I don't know. I There's a part of me that doesn't want to wait till Christmas. <laughs> for Super Mario Maker, but I finally have something to tell my mom to get me for Christmas and I don't want to... Yeah, you can't waste that opportunity. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, because it it'll just it'll make her so happy to have something coherent and in about that price range. Like, I feel like that's what makes her the happiest. Um, I, I, I don't know, like, what the curation tools are like on Super Mario Maker, but I have been seeing, like, for example... People are people I know, like game developers, are are tweeting l- links to their levels, and they look pretty good to me. Um, and Polygon is doing a series of videos on. Uh, we asked such and such a game developer to make a level for us to make a, a Mario Maker level, and those seem pretty good. I do think there's a lot of really good levels coming out of it. Frankly, more so, more than like more and higher quality than came out of the new Super Mario Brothers series in general. Uh, which is really cool, and hopefully we'll give those guys a kick in the pants. Well, I mean, it'll just also just give them a million levels, right? Because I'm sure that Nintendo owns whatever you submit. That's true. Right? It, yeah, so it, just, if they, that would be really interesting if they tried to... You know how... Um, just package a game. Yeah, do you remember uh, Choo Choo Rocket? Um, yeah. it, no, it, I never played it. It came out on the Dreamcast... And there was a level editor in there, and it had like rudimentary online functionality. If I, and if I remember right, you could upload your levels to their servers. Um, and they took all those levels and put like maybe literally all of them on the Game Boy Advance version. There ended up being like hmm. five thousand user puzzles uh, in the Game Boy Advance version of Choo Choo Rocket. So it would be it would be super interesting. Like I, I don't know if that makes sense nowadays when almost everybody's online. 
Uh, but it would be super interesting to see, like, if nothing else, here's a curated list, like a playlist of levels that Nintendo handpicked. I think that you can't even currently do things like, I only want to play levels in the Super Mario Brothers 1 tile set. <laughs> whatever. And, they, you know, I, I was listening to the Giant Bomb guys talk about it a lot on the last episode that I, that I heard, and they were saying that just because of the sort of timed unlock of the tools, the things that are available early to people making levels are much more heavily represented in the sets of levels right. that you see. Oh, that's interesting. But there's no way to tag them. There's no way to say this is a thing where Mario just bounces along on his own and plays a song, or this is an auto-scrolling level, or this is like a super hard challenge level, or whatever. There's, can you not, name them? You can name. You them. can name them, and people are devising their own naming schemes. But like that always ends up being kind of a shit show, potentially. I also don't know if you can search. Yeah, I would. I would love to see. It. Like, uh, so it sounds like the curation tools are not great right now. Uh, that's something that I think is really important. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that Nintendo would launch a thing without great online tools. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. It, but know, the, the other chief complaint I've heard is that it would be really nice if you could just make a rudimentary overworld map and release a pack of levels as a series and then be able to say, like, you know, if you finish the last level with a fire flower, you're still fire Mario. When yeah, you're in here. even even just like a playlist without the overworld map would be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I meant by a rudimentary overworld map was a playlist. I mean, it would be it would be really, really good if you could do... Oh, like, I, like, I genuinely feel like Super Mario World was kind of the apex. Yeah, a Mario World maker as well, so there's an, a world editor. That would oh, be wow. incredible. And you could do... And just being able to have secret exits. Sure, is, yeah. Just uh, Minecraft, but for Mario. That's actually huge now that I think about it. Even in 2D Mario games, um, the secret stuff, the secret exit stuff... And the the hidden um, dragon coins. Um, that's something that, like, if again, I haven't played this game yet, but if that's not supported in some way, that's really disappointing. Yeah. People uh, are making narrative choose your own adventure. That boy, that yeah. I must save my son thing. We need to we need to share that video in the show notes because yeah. it was pretty good. Uh, let's see. Our chicken says, sometimes I want to recommend great games, but explaining why the game is awesome would sort of spoil the joy. For a game like Frog Fractions, how do you recommend it to others without undercutting the game? Also, Undertale is great. Just, just coincidentally, Undertale is great. Okay. Um, I was talking to uh, Megan Fox about this on Twitter. Um, She's the, the hot, hot, cat, hot, hot tin roof. Hot tin roof, yeah. Hot tin roof. Um, and... The short version is that um, I when when I see people talking about Frog Fractions, they use a lot of um, appeal to popularity and appeal to authority, like those two logical fallacies. Like trust me, keep playing. Yeah, or trust like this respected critic, keep playing, or just look at how many people like it on Twitter search, mm -hmm. um, and so. Like maybe the next step is to go like go to the list of logical fallacies on Wikipedia and see which else you can apply. <laughs> Off by one error, you're gonna really like Frog Fractions three. Yeah. If you don't play Frog Fractions, you're a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no true Scotsman doesn't play Frog Fractions. <laughs> that's that's my advice. Well, so like when when I would recommend people to play it, I would say you should play this game. 
and stick with it until you understand why you should play this game. Right. Yeah. And if you don't, if you, if you don't understand why you're playing, then you haven't played long enough. That only works for somebody who is inclined to trust your judgment trust their own judgment no trust yours right oh. like because okay. like if you don't under, like because you would not tell somebody to play the the presentational initial version of version of frog fractions right so if you tell someone to play right. that game say play it until you figure out why i told you to play but it. i also won't recommend it to somebody that i don't know that they would like somebody if i i wouldn't talk to a stranger on the street right, right. so it's important to to choose who you're telling yeah. as well. I end up talking to non-video games people about Jim sometimes and uh-huh. we talk about frog fractions and they ask should I play it and largely I just say no I don't I don't think I don't think that it would I think me telling you what it actually is would be a better experience for you than trying to play it without the sort of this sort of video games yeah you, you kind of need the yeah exactly video game literacy mm-hmm. you know which is like I, I kind of feel like that's also why you can't recommend Braid or, to somebody who well, didn't like, like sure. playing Super Mario Brothers, right? Right, like, like there are like there are other media that this is true for, right? Like, what do you need? What kind of literacy do you need for House of Leaves? I mean, you just need to be able to enjoy a metatextual sort of experience, right? Like, I think, w- but do you have to have a bunch of specific knowledge about other specific textual experiences in order to appreciate? I mean, I don't know because I haven't read it. Sorry, Riff. Although I think you eventually just got tired of me not giving you back the copy that you loaned me and said it was mine. Okay, let's, yeah, let's, let's I, step I, back. Not that I, not that fin- I got Finnegan's tired of wait. waiting, but they came out with a new edition with some new okay. colored plates and stuff. So I thought that. <laughs> How Finnegan's can I wake that is one? something that you cannot enjoy like without a bunch of exterior cues, right? And so you can be either like hyper aware of a bunch of literary you know literature and not and like historical knowledge or oh, i just came up with another answer to your puzzle today <laughs> yes uh so like you know, I, I imagine there's also probably a bunch of films that like just would be terrible if you didn't have the the knowledge required to sort of appreciate them right there was a scene in one of the so the the most recent season of orange is the new black i have a really hard time recommending it to people who like the first two seasons because I felt it was super weak, but it did have this one just random little joke written into one of the episodes where one character said, I'll be careful, and then another character replied, you'll be dead, which was just this kind of weird Star Wars joke, Hmm. like which seemed pretty clearly on purpose. That's what Finnegan's Wake feels like to me is just that a thousand thousand times in a row, like, but but framed in a way that doesn't make I mean I don't I don't know much about it but what I do know about it leads me to believe that that it's just a bunch of pop culture references for a culture that you're not part of yeah I believe that I believe that's a lot of it yeah so uh, you know it, I think the the braid argument is slightly different than the house of leaves argument because because Braid relies on some very specific touchstones. And I think Frog Fractions, in a lot of ways, also relies on some very specific... You being aware of some very specific... Like, if you never played Lemonade Stand, that part is going to be mystifying to you. If you never played A Text Adventure, that part is going to be mystifying to yeah. you. Yeah. But Frog Fractions leans really heavily on that stuff. I think Braid less so. I think Braid stands up a little bit more on its own. Yeah, because I feel like it's... It, 
you know, you know, it is commentary is almost on like just Mario, right? Like if you've played Mario, yeah, you'll but that's, get it. That's specifically what I mean. I mean, you need you need to either have or be able to build up platformer literacy. Like for example, I've seen, I have actually seen people learn to play text adventures using the Frog Fractions text adventure. Which is like weird. That was their first experience. Yeah, which is weird. Oh. Like, oh, I'm sure that's true of the text adventure that's built into KOL too. I'm sure that was oh, a lot yeah. of people's right. First yeah, text adventures. And I know how terrible that one is. So <laughs> I'm really sorry, those people. <laughs> I hope you will go on to play other better ones. Uh, what What frustrated me, like, is that after seeing people say, "Hey, I, I like text adventures. Or maybe I should play more of them." Then they went on to play like Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. Oh, geez. That's that's a, a rough second text adventure. Yeah. Um but Braid, like, I think if you if you can pick up the platforming stuff, which is not trivial if you haven't grown up with it, um most of the video game literacy stuff is actually just in the theming. Um Yeah. And you're not gonna get as much out of it as a veteran player would like. It's it in in a in a sense the game is kind of a criticism of like the the mindset that you get growing up with video games, um, and you're not going to get anything out of that. But it's still a bunch of cool puzzles in that case. Yeah, I guess that's true. Ah, boy, there was one. I, I it was just a matter of like if somebody didn't play video games and they said, "What are some video games I should play?" I wouldn't have them play Super Mario Brothers before I had them play Braid. I think I think I would still tell someone to play Super Mario Brothers. I think I would too. And because I would not like what I want is for them to play Spelunky, but they cannot have that yet. <laughs> they can't have that. <laughs> well, like they, it just won't. It would be it would be too aggravating, uh-huh. right? Well, if if you have the right, I mean, it's a mindset thing. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably true. I think Spelunky, like if you have the patience of a five-year-old, um, you could learn to play Spelunky as your first game. I don't. I feel like that's not a phrase you often hear. A patient five-year-old. It, yep. It's it's weird. It's a it's a stick to itiveness. It's a it's a not having yet developed a, an appreciation for the value of your own time. Yeah, yeah no of, that's like a good it's way to an put absence it. of a of a of awareness of mortality and <laughs> any responsibilities. Right, like <laughs> right. It's and this magical time when time you have so much time and you don't you don't know that the unlimitedness of it is an illusion. Right. Yeah. yeah I never grew out of that because I I'm just I'm assuming that I'm going to live forever, so that's going to be fine. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. Uh, Dagren writes, has Humble Bundle jumped the shark? I started out buying most of the bundles they offered and was super excited when new bundles came out. Now they're coming out constantly and don't seem to have anything exciting in them. What is your opinion? I mean, I think your experience of that is very much like almost everyone else's. Yeah. And I think even when we were talking to them about stuff, which was maybe what, like two and a half years ago, two years ago, the writing was sort of already on the wall, it seemed. Like, they were really worried about pickup rates of new stuff, and they had just taken a bunch of venture capital for some reason <laughs> and hired a bunch of people because that's what the VCs wanted them to do. Yep. And everybody was pretty convinced that that was a bad idea, and everybody was just kind of sitting around with their thumbs up their asses like, what? Well... There's, there's a chart somewhere that somebody made of, like, the number of humble bundles and over time and it just gets just insanely packed yeah. towards the 
I still I, I, yeah, I still get a lot of their ebook and comic book bundles, but I haven't seen a games bundle out of them that I, had something. When was the time. when was the last time they had a numbered bundle? Like I haven't seen one of those in a long time. I feel like those are the only like quote unquote real bundles, the real right. humble bundles. And I think those probably come around more or less as commonly as they used to. Yeah, uh, I've definitely seen a drop off in like as as time went on. I, I really do think it's just they ran out of good games to put in the bundles. Um, they, and also, they, as more as more people bought bundles, more people just own hundreds more games than they have time to play. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. The, and, you know, I'm sure that's a, coming out that I already own three quarters of the games in, and even if I wanted to, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm a guy, like, I wouldn't buy a Humble Bundle for less than the price that they recommend, which I understand makes me weird. And if there was only one game in the bundle that I hadn't already bought, I would probably just go buy that game at full price if it was comparable to the amount that the bundle cost so I, that's i'm certainly not typical yeah in that regard but i don't remember the last time i bought anything from humble except through the widget you know yeah and I, I turned off the emails finally <laughs> i i think that's that's what they're trying to expand into now with the vc money is just becoming more like steam in terms of just we are now a marketplace as well um, and it's weird to think of them as a competitor for Steam because they still do the thing where they'll give you Steam keys. Right. So I mean, GOG, I think, is trying more to be the Steam competitor. Yeah. They've got that the standalone client. Steam, well, GOG is trying to be like Steam from five years ago before Greenlight. Like a curated... Like, yeah, they're, they're, like, they're doubling down on the trying to be like the, the kind of assholes that Steam is working really hard not to be. Hmm. Yeah, you think they're being assholes? Uh, I, I'm, I do think that like the right way to handle this sort of thing is just to put everything on the marketplace. Um, that's the quote unquote like r right way to handle it. Um, I do like there being differentiated marketplaces. Like as a consumer, I li like I kind of wish that like The Witcher Three wasn't on Jodge. Sure. Right? I wish that they were just good old games. Like I wish they didn't rebranded as. Oh, that's not what Jodge stands for anymore. Isn't it Jog? Good old James. Godge. Gonge. This is games for stoners, man. I, they re-released System Shock One. They released some yeah. enhanced edition of System Shock One. I wonder if it has like WASD and mouse look. Yeah, uh, it does. I know it does. Well, it? it it has mouse look. I know that much. Oh well, then it certainly has. Because why uh, would you do that? Yeah, that it that makes me really happy because mind, it makes me though, think that right? maybe they will release Ultima Underworld like that, which I want so bad. I so so desperately want to play Ultima Underworld, but I cannot play it with like Wolfenstein 3D controls. <clears throat> huh. Um, what what draws you to Ultima Underworld? I've just heard that it's really good, and that all of the screenshots that I've seen make me really want to play it, and I really like RPGs of that sort of vintage okay. and fidelity. Although I think it's, I'll think it's ugly because it's like 3D rendered yeah. into into that res. But you know, when you pick up an item, you get a sweet icon. That's the kind of sweet item icon that I like. I forget what you thought of uh, Ultima Other Worlds. That was like the Ultima Four engine. The, that was the Mars thing, the yeah. like sort of Jules Verne style thing. I I find 
RPGs of that vintage to be really, really tedious. I feel like that was your version of my Clive Barker's Undying or Tron 2.0, where if I could be 12-year-old Kevin, I would deeply appreciate that and the Crescent Hawks Inception or whatever yeah, that yeah. Battletech game is that you really, really liked. Yep. But as it stands now, they are just staggeringly dull <laughs> to actually play. Because it's just so much just like moving across. This world is giant, not because they give you any sense of, of scope, but because they make it take a long time for you to move from one side of it to the other. You know? Okay. I wonder if... I guess Skyrim gave me the sense of a giant world and it was frequently punctuated enough with stuff happening that it didn't get boring. Well, it's got the, it's got the, you have to explore these places first and then you got, fast and then travel. you can fast travel. Sure. And which that's is the right mix. Which is, yeah, which is great. Um, but I don't think like you wouldn't be able to tolerate, I don't think a launch world of Warcraft level of like it taking this long to get across the world but I don't know that Skyrim is actually smaller, and somehow that plays now in a way that Vanilla WoW, I don't think... Well, I think Vanilla WoW would have been fine if instead of it taking forever to fly, you could just warp to another uh, waypoint. Yeah. And you could with Warlock summoning skills, right? Like yeah, there, there were, yeah, there were ways. I mean, they used that as a, as a carrot, right? And also, I guess... Probably less the size of the world and more the design of it that was deliberately crafted to make you go back and forth a lot over spaces that you'd already been in. You know, just every quest required you to go get the quest, go far away, do the thing, and then return to the quest giver to turn it in. Kind of thing that, that exacerbated the amount of time that you spent just running around. But, like, that world was so real. Like, exploring World of Warcraft was by far my favorite part of that game, just running around in the world in, into zones that I wasn't supposed to be in yet. Yep. You know, yeah. and finding weird little things, hollow tree you could sit in. and Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Walking up to the barricades and a spider aggroing on me from like outside of my vision range and uh -huh. then running at me at like a gallop and killing me. Yeah, like trying to go like as an undead character, like accidentally getting over into the plague lands yeah. or like going getting, from going the wrong way, like uh getting from um the elf starting zone to trying to get to the rest of the uh alliance uh cities. Going the wrong way across the continent and taking the wrong boats and getting getting get, get, <laughs> and that that stuff was great. The fact that it let you do that was was awesome. And you know, I think a lot of that was descended from EverQuest, where like the starter cities were just little islands of low level content. You had to get from one to the other, like to just do random quests and stuff. You had to go through, like you had to basically get a friend that was high level to escort you through zones that there was no way that you could survive unless you got really, really lucky. How, how did people migrate before people leveled up? They just got killed a lot. <laughs> Maybe there, you could team up and level uh -huh. up more, right? I mean, you just had to like, and I don't, I never learned really. I never played it past the point where you couldn't solo it anymore, which I was see. almost nothing realistically. You know, I just, I sort of ended up with my own little goals of stuff to do there. And I figured out like I, I leveled up a, a, uh, shaman to the point where I could start making some actual quasi-meaningful amounts of money by casting buffs on people, which 
high level players had to go back into the starter city. So like low level casters would just get the ability to cast like economically valuable buffs on people, which was I think a brilliant part of that. Design. That's super interesting. Like I don't remember any trade in World of Warcraft being economically anything but a drain. You could definitely pay mages to teleport you around. Yeah. Right. That was that was a thing that I remember paying for, but you had to be a fairly high level mage, so the amount of gold that you were getting was was meaningless-ish. You know, there there were definitely ways to make money crafting. There were definitely ways like I remember you could you could get if you, if you had a gathering profession you could make money that way but the people buying your your uh fruits were people who were using that to level up their tra- their uh their crafting profession yeah the things weren't inherently valuable there was a brief period when they had the like uh super rare discovery like alchemy recipes that you could be one of the two or three people on a server that knew how to make something and so you're that was fantastic, and I, I like yeah, I liked script. that I liked that so much, but it was so unpopular. Yeah, it just it kind of made me sad. Like it, and this I think, if you're making stuff for a non-crazy like Raf Coster niche audience, you have to be any, more accessible. anything that makes the thing worldy is going to be less popular than anything that makes it gamey. Sure. Why? Why are people? so serious about like completionism in video games but not in real life like <laughs> well, I, I think it's impractical in real life right well like, but like what lets that be what, I like, think, what lets that be okay in real life and not in a video game well, I think people are completionists in real life about things that it's possible to be completionists about like people like collecting complete sets of desert storm trading cards or whatever right things that you can get like you could get every beanie baby at some point right like you can't get every salt shaker what? <laughs> right, B- because there's been too many. But right? you, but you can get every salt shaker in Elder Scrolls. <laughs> yeah. I when I played Morrowind, I um I lasted about half an hour because I walked into town and I walked up to somebody and started talking to them. And this was before they had voice acting, so uh, I, I started talking to these people and trying to exhaust their dialogue trees because I figured. That's how you play these games. You, you, like I was, I was used to adventure games where you, if you don't talk, say everything to everybody, you're doing it wrong. Um, and everybody in that game just has encyclopedic, not like you could, in the same way you can go up and ask anybody in the world about something, about like a, a, the city they live in, they will have a lot to say about it. Uh, everybody in that game just has this massive, tree of like things you can ask them about the world and it's shared between NPCs. Yeah, that was the last Elder Scrolls game that had like systemic NPC dialogue. Right? There were specific things that only specific people knew, but there was just a huge like matrix of things that when you learned about them you could suddenly ask anyone right in the world. Yeah, which is really cool but also like if you're coming from an adventure game background like really daunting like I will never be able to say everything to these NPCs and you just have to, have to kind of give it up in order to play that game. And it's fascinating that I mean Morrowind was the game that came after Daggerfall which was like insanely procedural. Yeah. Right to the point where it was like too big to map. Yep. I maybe not really, but like but 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 practically but, too big but for way too to big yeah just too big but i mean what it was going for was a simulation of a big world right like i don't even know what 
there was in terms of a of a main quest storyline in Daggerfall. You know, I'm sure that someone knows. <laughs> I don't know. The internet knows, and I could look it up. I'm sure that somebody is angrily submitting a question, even as they listen to this. That could but, be procedural, too, for all we know. Oh, it could be. Procedural question submission. <laughs> it's neat to see it's neat to see that sort of progression from the things that I do know about Daggerfall to like Skyrim. And I have to admit, you know, taking out the things that made it more worldy and putting in things that made it more gamey made it so Skyrim was the one that I played by far the most of. You know, and like but maybe the next one will be a bridge too far for me because Skyrim is the one that I that I seriously got into. I did have fun going back to Oblivion after getting some experience. When I played Oblivion the first time, I had never played a Bethesda game, and I just sort of didn't know how to approach it. So I just did the main quest line, finished it. It was like six hours in. I was like, "What the? why the fuck is, was this so popular? Why were people so excited about this? It was just kind of a mediocre first-person RPG because I just didn't get it. Right. I had gone and explored some areas, and I'm like, oh, this is that same vampire cave again, just like with the counterclockwise turn in the first part of it instead of clockwise. But I just didn't get it. Boy, guys, Fallout 4 is going to come out, and that's going to be fucking good, I hope. Yeah, ruin yeah all when, when is that? It's in November. Oh, this year. Whoa, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's in a few weeks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so good. That's, that's kind of scary. Um, Hopefully it won't run on my PC. <laughs> uh, have you guys been playing any video games? Speaking of which. Mm. You probably don't want to hear any more about Pokemon, but I finished playing <laughs> Fire Red. With your crazy yep, thing? Yep. Beat it. Now I'm go- uh, when I when we when uh when I get back from KOL Con, I will uh post a, a write up and and open the uh the text file beta. And then I figure I'll play through uh the newest Pokemon to see if it to see if it works with the modern ones. But uh, other than that, I've it's just been that and the uh, assignment for this week. Kevin, I played a game called Tournament uh, by Aaron Steed. He's uh, the bump guy and, oh. and things that you like. It's uh, I think it's relatively old. It's Did he not... make ending? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's like a it's a turn based puzzle game. Um. And it's, I mean, I, I don't have a lot to say about it. It's, it's, it is just a really fun sort of puzzle game that introduces new mechanics regularly. And how do you spell it? Uh, T U R N A M E N T. Okay. I think it's on Congregate or whatnot. Oh, it's just free. Yeah, it's just a browser game. Has this guy ever made any games that you can give him money for? Uh, yes, I think. He um, made a little game called New Super Mario Brothers U. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and then I, I played a puzzle game, which I think we might do as the assignment, because we haven't actually come up with an assignment. We need yet. an assignment that basically requires no time. Yeah, so we can do that. It's going to be it's gonna be very minimal discussion. We, we'll have to back up and talk about sort of uh, puzzle game design in general, but that's that's the, what else, the only other thing I've played that's new, I think. My gaming, in, in, except for the assignment and like little stolen games of Hearthstone when I should be working, uh, I played like 25 minutes of Soma last night while we were waiting for a European conference call that occurred at midnight. Oh, yeah, I saw I saw you pop up on my Steam while I was playing Dropsy. What what yeah. uh, is that that's like 
a new horror thing? Yeah, it's the new game from from uh, the right. Amnesia, the Dark Descent guys, and it seems very different from that so far. Jim, did I see you in the list of people who'd been playing it? I bought Soma, and then I played it enough to like see if it would play on my PC. Um, the answer was no. The answer is that is barely. Um, so I will be playing it. If if you guys want to do it for the assignment, I'll hold off till then. Um, otherwise, I'll probably play it over the next week. I don't think I can reasonably play it. Okay. But but yeah, that's something I've been really looking forward to. Is it not available on Mac? I don't think so. I don't know. I'll I'll have to have a look. Boy, I if it was available on Mac, I would. Because I don't think it's all that long. Hmm. And I'm going to probably be playing it anyway, so I would love it if we could do that as the assignment instead of the phone game. Although, maybe we shouldn't. I don't know. I mean, we could also do it as the assignment two weeks from now, and we could just use our memories. (laughs) (laughs) That's rough. I mean, it just means we don't have anything to talk about prior to it. But, I mean, maybe we don't need to be... Maybe we don't need to be bound by such, such, like, arbitrary strictures, you know? Anyway, you, you... it starts out seemingly in the real world, and then you go to space, I guess. No, spoilers. Space sort of isn't dead. real. I didn't get in to that space. part. It happens like ten minutes in. Yeah, that's like, spoilers, dude. <laughs> it ha- yeah, and it, then there's barnacles on stuff. Okay, all right. Space la, 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 I can't hear you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's it. I've been, uh, I've been playing more Dark Souls. I, uh... <laughs> I, Are you still streaming it as you go? No. So what happened was, um, I, I, I found that like I was wanting to play Dark Souls, but I didn't want the the social pressure of interacting with people while I did it. So I started recording. Yeah. But even then, like I, um, I was having performance anxiety, so I kind of turned that off too. Um, wow. Uh, I ended up like failing against. Oh, I forgot how to pronounce their names, but, but um, Ornstein and Smoke. Pik- Pikachu and Snorlax. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, I think that was Night Vols. Um, uh, I I ended up failing against those guys a couple dozen times, and then I like ran backwards through an Orlando and Sen's Fortress to get the Rite of Kindling out of the catacombs. Um, and then I leveled up my pyromancy glove, and after that, like it just took two more tr- tries. I ended up doing the fight solo, like Solaire was basically no help. Hmm. The a couple times I, I uh, summoned him, um, but that's I'm glad to have that done and not a part of my life anymore. And uh, now I'm you know just exploring the uh, the the wide open world that is now available to me. Is that the last gating thing? Uh, it, it opens up... Um, I actually don't know if it actually... It, it definitely opens up new things. It's the last, like, big gate, I think. Yeah, does that give you... Does that give you the... The Lord the Lord soul? Vessel. Yeah, the, yeah. the fast travel device, yeah. The, the receptacle for lords. <laughs> well, are we ready to talk about the assignment? Yeah, let's do that. Dropsy. Yep. By uh, by fan of the show Jay Tholen. It's very good. I like it a lot. I didn't get very far in it, but I like. Yeah, like, me either. Yeah, I was very very charmed by it, and it. I hugged so many things. Yeah, it is, <laughs> I, I I peed on so many things. Most, 
it is one of the most like sincere and authentic expressions that I have ever seen as a video game. Like it was so clear to me that this is a game that a person wanted to make as mm -hmm. opposed to a game that a person was trying to sell. Yeah. And I'm it I'm sad a little bit that I had sort of adventure game fatigue set in so fast because the I the, get, the like space this, yeah. that is available to you at the beginning is so so big that fog of war I was like oh my god how big is this <laughs> and you do get at fast first travel I, eventually but okay. it, it takes a while before that unlocks at first I got, I, I was like, oh, well, it's just telling me where to go, right? Like, because you get the little icons on the map for like your next objective. But then when that goes away and then it was just like, I don't know. I, I The way I played it was like, I didn't think about objectives at all. I just like started exploring the yeah. world and interacting with people. So, and that's so many of the little interactions and, and getting the people to appreciate you so you can hug them is totally optional. I, I, I finished the game and I think I got mostly everything but like the the little girl with the dead flower in the playground i never managed to solve her problem mm. huh. but uh yeah man the i i recommend uh keep keep playing it the 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 um the end game sequence is totally nuts uh the the other thing that i found a little not off-putting i guess but but difficult about it was the um so the, the map is really large, and then each location is effectively different based on the time of day. Yeah. And that was yeah, that like was the two, sort of multiplicative yeah. thing. People, and I don't know that it was just two. It night. was at least at least two or three different variants, right? Cause I think just... Well, because the, the nightclub, the nightclub was locked during the day. Yeah, the, then the, then it was open dusk, with, a, with the... With the bouncer outside, and then there was a, a person outside, another person outside yeah, at a different time. Yeah, the, the cop can be, like, the cop is there from, like, closing time to <laughs> a few minutes after that, I think. I, okay, I, so, like, I, I think the major differences are just day and night, and then there are some minor things that happen in the, the borders. Right, but if you if you want to have some sort of like sense of completing everything, you kind of have to be in every area at every time to see yeah. everything. I think beds I beds just, are frequent, though. Sure, it seemed. I mean, I just kind of got stuck because I didn't know how to get the bird to give me the motorcycle tire that he stole. Like oh, that's, that's where that's where I got stuck in the beta, actually. And I, and I just like okay he won't do it because I he doesn't think I'm a bird. I don't know what to do about that. And it's like there are so many places that I could go to get stuff. And it's like it's I mean it's interesting that suggesting like not getting up hung up on objectives when like so so much of my brain wants like all right well this is the place where I obviously need this vampire costume that's in this store to right. proceed past the vampires yeah. only gate. I mean there are definitely like, objectives it's just there are a lot of objectives that are optional. But not knowing which ones those are I mean I guess it shouldn't matter I, right. I guess right but I mean I like I'd hate to I guess I think what made me stop playing the last time like what made me actually close the game was like spending like 15 minutes without seeing anything new or making any progress towards solving any of the puzzles or making anybody happy hmm. that i was just like uh i think i'm just gonna look at a walkthrough because i want to play more of this and then there's just no walkthroughs 
Well, you say that there, there are no there are, video there are video walkthroughs, walk but yeah. like a I video walkthrough, I cannot look up just the things the that I need. Forums, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, that'd be that'd be handy. Hinty. The internet is so different than it used to be, guys, and I'm so old, and so are you. <laughs> oh man, we should we should make a internet um, reenactment uh, society. <laughs> that- <laughs> It goes back to like it makes like GameFAQs the way it was in 1998 and Usenet spelled with a dollar sign, right? Yeah, I mean, I just really want there to be a text walkthrough of this game, and I think there will be eventually. Yeah, yeah. right. You know, that is not what I want. What I want is an Invisi Clues. Yeah, sure. Yeah, somebody might somebody make that. This, yeah, this definitely. That's seems that's like even older than the 90s, actually. Will, yeah, will do that. But I mean, there there is a. I think there are form. There are data formats for Invisiclu, like web Invisiclu. Do you think that any of the Invisiclu's books that were printed actually still work? I don't know. Um, I know that if you have revealed, if you revealed the clues back in the day, those are now vanished now and unreal. So, oh, wow. so they have. They have gone back yeah, to being they, invisible. They eventually revert and and cannot wow. be recovered. I mean, I imagine, is it possible that there was a marker that was packed in the 80s that hasn't dried? Yeah. Must be, right? If it's actually sealed. Uh, I don't know. The half-life of marker juice. What? How did those actually work? It was is... it just lemon juice marker? <laughs> yeah, some, some, something chemically akin to that, I guess. Yeah, I guess now you could look at it through like an electron microscope and read it that way. Really yeah, take the a FBI really would time. probably be able to yeah. look yeah. us up. I mean, you could you could just go to the digital version of any of the actual physical Invisiclus books that existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're doing reenactments. There's there's got to yeah. be one that wasn't scanned that no one knows what the content was. Oh, man, you know the red cellophane thing still works. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, sure. it's, it's, it's just looking. At, I was just it's looking still up red. Yeah, I was just looking at some uh, some some of the secret codes in my book of drafts from my box box of loom. I was thinking about that that red filter stuff recently too. Oh yeah, you are. That's probably why I just thought of it just then because of that cool email you sent. Rep thirteen also still works. I, I like I can just <laughs> works in quotation marks. I can wholeheartedly recommend this game to almost everyone. Like it is, yeah, yeah it's really, really. It great. is. Yeah, if so, you like an adventure so game, if you like a a LucasArts style adventure game, then you have to play this. Like I do not regret, even if I never went back to it, I had a great time with it, and I will remember it because it is just such a like honest and uh, like I hate describing something as unique as a as a sort of a measure of a property of it, but like it just really is. Like what struck me about it. Uh, aside from what you're like the 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 the, the kind hardened heartedness of it that you were talking about, like is that the generosity of content? I felt mm. I feel like no adventure game gives you this much like interesting stuff to do without solving a puzzle, without solving difficult puzzles. Like you you can just walk around in this world and meet interesting people and see There's things. A lot of bespoke interactions. Yeah, and, stuff. and, that, and that's so, kind of what defines adventure games. You think is is that well? The, that's what you want out of them, right? Well, I, I feel like what what makes an adventure game such and and not like a mechanically driven game is that everything that you everything you do is a custom action, and not hmm. you know just a, a systems working out in the background. 
Yeah, no, I guess I guess I can I can see what you mean there. I mean, I like an adventure game is just that. A, a, another genre of game is not just that, even though there is some of that in it. Yeah. I mean, you know, like it, you look at like a Space Quest Two, where there's like the section where you have to walk through that maze of tendrils <laughs> on the ground without, oh, you know. The, so the, the, you get, Sierra Games had a bunch of those. Those were terrible. Yeah. Those were like. The, the their version of uh, the the maze where you have to drop something because every room looks alike. Mm-hmm. Right. Space Quest also was bad. I mean, that those kinds of things were bad. You could save and load, but those were bad because you always had it on fast, right? So <laughs> that you could walk around fast, and then when it suddenly became a Twitch thing, and then like Space Quest One had the motorcycle, the hover bike thing oh, where you had to avoid those rocks. Rough. That was really hard on modern hardware. It was probably fine on contemporary computers, but you know who knows. There was a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah. The combat in uh, Quest for Glory. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Right? That was a thing that, like, I just... My... my I loved that game as a kid, but I was never able to do any of the stuff that involved fighting because I could never win even a single fight because of the, my computer was too slow. So, could you beat the game without fighting? No. Well, I think you could, but I didn't know how. I mean, hmm. I could have gone back and done it. I think I did eventually go back with a walkthrough and beat it. Okay. Um, yes, I remember seeing the ending of that game. So I definitely did that at some point. I don't remember if it's when we played it as an assignment or not. Okay. Um, yeah, man. You know, I am going to go back and play more Dropsy, I bet. Okay. Yeah, I think I would like to as well. I had planned on playing more before today's show, but then... Uh napped instead because i'm sick also we ended up recording really early because today is an extremely busy day for me and also for kevin you have your bed is strewn with so many papers and labels and things that you're printing and things that you're dealing with yep thanks for thanks for being a real project manager thanks for being a real producer and business manager buddy it's cool it's fun good time uh What's our next assignment? That's the next thing that we do. Uh, so we're going to play the new game by Samogo. Uh, it is called Split. Uh, it's spelled S-P-L-T. Um, it is very basic, but I, I, I think there's some serious strategy to it. It is... Uh, I don't want to spoil the experience for you guys, though. So, Is it anything like their earlier no, stuff not at all so just nothing at all okay. don't don't have any expectations of it to be like device six or anything like that there are a couple of like a couple of things where there's some like extra stuff going on but it's not i gotta say that on the strength of device six i don't have a lot of charitable feelings about their puzzle designing chops this is this is a very this is more like tetris than okay okay than device six it's more like tetris than sokoban Yes. Okay. Yep. Puzzle game means different things. Yep. I was just thinking that, yeah. (laughs) Not like adventure game where all it means is bespoke interactions and then shitty tendril mazes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Kevin, if somebody wanted to send us a listener's mail for the listener's mail segment that we do on every show, how would they do that? They would go to our website, videogameshotdog.com. That's it. That's all they would have to do. And their question would instantly be formed out of their mind and into our repository yeah, and then we'll read it you guys I've had uh, I've had such a great time stalling stalling <laughs> while your computer stalling 
I've had such a great time recording this episode of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And until you do, keep your cheek in the stove and keep licking the toy box. Alright. See you later. Have a great week, everybody. Spirit gum ball sack lunch writes...